to episode 118 of the Man with a Plan podcast. My name is Grayson Mann. In about five to ten minutes, we're going to be welcome on Jack Simon, a Celtics writer, Celtics beat writer for the Celtics blog. We're going to talk all things about the Hawks and the Celtics series that went surprisingly to six games and the NBA playoff landscape as a whole. Before we get started, I wanted to get about a couple quick thoughts on the NFL draft first round. And so whether this is dropping today, which is Friday, or it's dropping tomorrow, it's just going to be my thoughts on the third round, regardless of what happens tonight in the first day two of the NFL draft. So first, I want to just not do winners and losers, but kind of give my general thoughts and impressions on what was, I think, one of the craziest drafts we've had in a while. A lot of trades, a lot of moving, a lot of aggression, and a lot of patience. I think last night you saw two different teams. You saw three you saw different styles. You saw patience and you saw aggression. For I think Philadelphia, you saw a mix of both. They're able to get two of the best players in this draft and Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, which I think a lot of people take away is that Philadelphia is finally drafting smarter. Ever since the Jalen Rager draft, it's almost like a switch was clicked. And sometimes you need to get kicked in the face to have this realization of, hey, we need to re- we need to rethink our approach. And since then, they've drafted no nothing but They've got Davante Smith, Jalen Hurts. They had Jordan Davis last year. They, they're they turning the drafting process around in the right time and in the right direction, especially a team fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance. They, I think, are the clear consensus winner, if you want to call it that. And I think you saw aggression, Houston, uh, with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So there was a lot of floating, a lot of rumors about what was Houston going to do with that number two pick. Everyone thought Carolina quarterback, that's a surefire thing. I personally thought Bryce Young was going to be the number one overall pick. That was proven right. But that, yet again, that's low-hanging fruit. But Houston, what were they going to do? Was Bryce Young their guy? Was they Were they going to take a risk on an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis? They ended up going with C.J. Stroud, the second-best quarterback in my eyes in this draft. And I think they made the right choice here to go all in and push all their chips in for these two prospects. Because let's just put this out there. And I know that the draft usually is playing on the what-if factor. But let's say C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson both hit. D'Amico Ryans has a franchise quarterback to work with. And for him, on the defensive side, he's got Will Anderson, who, in my mind, could be the next Vaughn Miller. The way he gets quickly off the ball. I like the way he attacks every single play. He had a rough game against Tennessee and Darnell Wright. But I think overall, Houston's got a great player that, if both of these players can hit, really start changing the direction of this franchise. This isn't a Houston Texans organization that's doing one-year rentals on head coaches anymore. They're going all in and using that the draft capital that they received from Deshaun Watson to finally go all in on this. So I really like what Houston's doing. I know that it's a mixed bag in terms of media consensus, but for me, I love the aggression. And I think for Houston, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to get your franchise guy. And on the other side of the ball, you want to have these cornerstones and say, Hey, these are the players we are going to build around. Now, as for the S2 testing and what CJ Stroud said off the field about, I'm not a test taker. I'm a quarterback. You got to just throw that all aside and just look at the tape. I think everyone saw that Georgia game and the way he was able to move outside the pocket, make unbelievable throws. He's one of the more accurate quarterbacks. If it wasn't for Bryce Young, would be the top. So you get a guy, CJ Stroud, that if he hits where we think, maybe a little more athletic of a Jared Goff, this is a Houston Texans team that can compete in the AFC South that just got really, really exciting. You have the Jaguars, who are the clear class of this division, Tennessee, who's still floating around, and then you have... Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud added into this division. The AFC South is going to be fun, and with so many moving parts, it's really exciting. And we talk about different styles being on display. New England was patient. They did their typical trade down in the first round. Might have angered some people, 
and still end up getting their guy. And Christian Gonzalez, one of the better corners in this draft, I think that was huge for New England in terms of you needed to get a guy that in a division with Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tua, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson. There are so many receivers that you need to have a lockdown corner, shut down one side of the field. Belichick loves working with the secondary, loves working with these kind of players. This is huge for a team that New England, they're playing catch up with everybody else now. They got to make sure they have these players that can stop the Stephon Diggs, stop the Tyreek Hills, stop these big plays and keep Mac Jones in this new offense that's going to be relearning and retooling with Bill O'Brien. It's going to be a big thing moving forward. So overall, I thought an exciting NFL draft. I was surprised Will Levis fell out of the first round, but obviously there's a lot of things to be worked on. So with that, I'm going to close off on some NFL draft thoughts, and we're going to welcome on Jack Simon from the Celtics blog. All right, now we welcome on Jack Simone, writer of the Celtics blog and heavy on sports and the co-host of How About Them Seas podcast. You've heard the uh, the words from the ECF game seven, How About Them Celtics. It's right there in the intro. They do great stuff. So, Jack, <laughs> welcome to the show, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk some uh, Celtics in the NBA. Yeah, of course. What Grayson isn't telling you is that I was 15 minutes late because I was uh, not paying attention. So I appreciate him <laughs> for not being mad because of my tardiness. But uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's been, it's been a really a whirlwind. And I think we can start just off of this because I've been, lo- I've been dying to hear just like someone from the inside, their thoughts on, I use one word to describe Boston's season from the very beginning, from the Odoka suspension to now, I, I would use the word chaotic. And I don't know if mm. you would agree with me. So I just would love it for you to take me through your thoughts of when Odoka gets suspended. This is the guy that led him to the finals is the pinnacle of that turnaround, getting these guys to buy in on the new culture. And I, it felt like out of nowhere, two months later, they're having to restart from square one. They're having to get Robert Williams back into the lineup. So for you, how has the season played out? Is it anything like you expected with Missoula or more of the same yeah I, I think controlled chaos is definitely like the right phrasing for it um when Udoko got suspended obviously it came as a shock to everybody who followed the Celtics everybody I think in general who follows the NBA no one saw it coming um the way I kind of wrap my head around it is if the Celtics felt it necessary to fire Udoka then what he did was bad enough to to warrant that right and so I was pretty set on like if what he did was that like gross or that bad then it's like i don't you don't want him in the organization anyways and so honestly i feel bad for you know uh the women in houston's organization because that doesn't really sound like a very fair environment to put them in um but as far as joe missoula he was in the organization he came in i believe under brad stevens uh, and he was one of the only coaches to stay on the staff when ime odoka took over uh, he coached in Maine for a little bit, went back to the college level, came back here, and then he stayed under uh, Ime Udoka. And then he obviously he earned the chance to be the, I think he's the youngest head coach in the league behind only Will Hardy, who was also on the coaching staff last year. <clears throat> so I was always confident that he would figure it out. If anything, I think the season went kind of backwards, right? When you have a new head coach, you assume them to, you assume the team will get off to a slow start, but they got off to a really hot start. Uh, and then their quote unquote, like slow slump or whatever you want to call it came later in the year so in reality it feels like it should have been backwards right they should have started off slow then gained their ground again and got hot but it was kind of uh mix matched in that way had a slow um march and into April a little bit excuse me uh so it's it's almost weird in that sense but i'm happy with what joe Missoula did you'd be surprised with how many people are uh 
not happy with what Joe Missoula did. A lot of Celtics fans did not like Joe Missoula, but I think that's just a matter of a lot of Celtics fans when the team does bad, they just blame the coach, right? That's always been the thing. This Celtics team has had the same problems uh, in the sense that they'll blow leads. They'll, they'll play slow when they have the lead. They did it under Brad Stevens. They did it under Ime Udoka. They're going to do it still under Joe Mazzulla. So at what point are people going to start, stop blaming the coach and start blaming the players. But uh, overall, not a lot to complain about, right? They finished top five in offensive defense. Did their first round series take a little longer than you wanted? Sure. I'm sure we'll talk about that too, but overall, like, it's hard to look at this 57, I think it was, win season, improved from last regular season, and complain about Joe Mazzola, in my opinion. Yeah, it felt like Tatum, too, he, in the regular season, took a big leap, him and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. There's always the conversation surrounding those two of whether they can really play together and how this core, the big picture, is always in the grand scheme of things with the scope of the Celtics. But I think for the series in Atlanta, for me, I thought, okay, Atlanta's offense, and I think probably – given the fact that they just beat the, they beat the team in the playing tournament that knocked off Milwaukee. Maybe we should have seen <laughs> something coming and been like, Oh, this might be interesting, but so the Atlanta offense comes in. They got Jashante Murray, Trey young. They, the season exactly didn't go like they planned because they put all their chips in for another guard to play with Trey young. They finished 41 and 41 hire new coach in Quinn Snyder and come into this Boston series and play them really well. It, I went to game four in Atlanta and it was just, it felt like Atlanta had a lot of answers for it. They, they didn't really when it looked like Boston was going to put them away, Atlanta kept going back and forth. And I don't know if that's the Quinn Snyder deal or why this series took as long as it did that the Celtics going to just have that killer put them away. But for in your in your eyes, watching these games and covering the Celtics like you do, what was the reason this series took longer than people expected? Was it Tatum struggling at times? Was it their lack of endgame execution? Or was it just that Atlanta really were seeing what they could be next next season under Snyder? I think you had a healthy mix of kind of everything there. Uh, I think Tatum's struggles were obviously a huge part of it. I mean, in game five, when they lost, he shot one of 10 from three. It's just, it was enough to make you pull your hair out. Like Jason Tatum has this obsession with taking step back threes. I actually wrote about it throughout the course of his career. He shot like 39, 37, 40% on step backs and pull-ups and like movement threes. Um, And this year that dropped to 30%. So there was like a huge drop off in his shooting this season. And it's kind of like inexplainable. Cause like you could say, Oh, it's the volume, but he shot 37 to 38% last year on movement threes. Uh, taking like 290 and he took 320 this year or 325 or whatever, and he shot 7% worse. I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, not too much more volume. So it was surprising to see Tatum shoot that much worse, uh, and it kind of trickled into game five a little bit there. Uh, Atlanta, give them credit, though. They did play well. Obviously, Celtics shut them down in games one and two, but it's the the stat that stood out to me was heading into game six, um, the trio of Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, John Collins shot like two of 26 in the three losses and then 14 of 28 in the th- three wins from or the two wins from three. So like their role players stepped up when they needed to win. They made big shots. And then Trey Young obviously was huge for them. Um, shut down in the first two games that he found a way in the pick and roll to kind of pick through Boston's defense, which left a lot to be desired in that regard. So uh, he kind of, you know, fooled them or they didn't really have answers for him at times. And then Jalen Brown had a good quote to describe what happened. He said, in the playoffs, you got basketball, you got execution, and then you have this fight that's going on. And Atlanta, they might not have all the X's and O's, but they fought. They fought us. They offensively rebounded. They played hard. The effort, they used their athleticism. They didn't back down from any challenges. Uh, and then he said, that's where we needed to step up the fight of the game. So Atlanta fought. They just, they just 
and Celtics didn't. And that's been a problem for the Celtics at times. They had this three-game stretch in, I think, beginning of March, mid-March, where they blew three double-digit leads. They were up by 28 to the Nets. They lost. Up by 14 to the Cavs. Lost. Up by 15 to the Knicks. Lost, right? So it's just a matter of keeping up the fight and playing a full 48 minutes. And even in game of six where they closed it out, you know, they played a pretty meh uh, 40 whatever you want to call it, two minutes. And then the last five, or that's not math, 43 in the last five, uh, they played really well. And so it's just a matter of keeping up that fight. And you see it a lot from the Celtics, but it's not always consistent. Do you potentially see Atlanta, the team, the, the going through this initial test, it's like, hey, this is this is, this is is the NBA playoffs. It's a different, and I think Tatum and these guys understand that this is a team that's been to the finals, but getting that initial push early instead of maybe getting a sweep and I, I don't want to say coasting through a series, but having to fight and fight for offensive rebounds, which was, I think, Atlanta's one of Atlanta's biggest strengths with under Steiner. I think their offensive rebound totals jumped up to like first or second in the league since he got hired. And then you have a series against Philadelphia where Joel Embiid's going to be not 100% healthy. And I think rebounds are going to be huge. Robert Williams jumping around, Al Horford, and we'll see Cornette. Grant Williams will definitely, I feel, get more playing time. How do you see that aspect where? getting those second chance points and getting those boards against a guy like Embiid, how is that going to factor into a series against Philadelphia where it's going to be probably more of a tougher challenge and bigger fight? Yeah, I think the rebounds are always going to be a problem for the Celtics team. Uh, the numbers will tell you they're the best defensive rebounding team in the league this year. The eye test will tell you they're the worst. It's just like all, all of the second chance points that their opponents get uh, really hurt them. And like you said about Atlanta, like they put a big emphasis on that, but it was it was really hurting the Celtics. Even in games one and two, they let up like 14 and 19 offensive rebounds and they still won because the Hawks just couldn't make shots. And so I, I think there is a chance that if if the Sixers win – you know, X amount of games. I think that'll be a big reason why they win those games uh, or when they win those games, whatever you want to say. Um, as backwards as it sounds, the Celtics play good teams really well. Like they played Philly really, really well historically. Uh, I think they went three and one against them this season. And the one loss was when they were down Jalen Brown and Robert Williams and Embiid decided to put up 52 points in like one of the most ridiculous offensive games I've ever seen in my life. Like he was just not going to miss that game. He was like 12 of 17 from jumpers. It was like, all right, well, if he's going to do that, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's the shot you want him taking, and he's just going to make it, so sure. Um, but, like, as backwards as it is, I, I think the Celtics will come to play against Philly, and they might struggle against Miami or New York, if anything. Uh, I do think they would beat either of those teams in a seven-game series because on paper, obviously, they should be better. But, like, Mitchell Robinson, after the series he just had, like, he would give them a lot of trouble on the offensive glass. Um they struggled with the energy of quickly uh, at one point in the game. Miami's always played them tough. Like if there's a time for the Celtics to struggle, I think they might play down to their opponents in the conference finals if they get there. But to be quite honest, I, I still feel like regardless of what happened against Atlanta, I still feel like the Celtics should, I don't want to say breeze by Philly, but I think I would probably pick it in six. Like as, as good as Philly has been, the Celtics play them really well. And I think seeing a player like Joel Embiid across from them, they might say, okay, this is time for us to lock in. This is a real series now. Who do you see as a player that didn't necessarily get all out of shine against Atlanta? Because I think last year against Milwaukee, Grant Williams, game seven, hits seven or eight threes, steps up in a big way. Like we had, we, it wasn't Jason Tatum we expect to step. He had game six, obviously, but there's always a, a role player or two. Maybe it's Horford in game four that drops an unbelievable offensive performance. Who do you see within that Celtics rotation that's not named Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to have a really big series against Philly? Maybe take advantage of a matchup or two. Is it Robert Williams? Is it Malcolm Brogdon? Is he going to take advantage? Is it 
maybe Grant Williams again he has another <laughs> conference semifinals outburst. Who, 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 in your mind, is there a matchup that you're really looking forward to? I, I think Grant Williams could have a big role. He was sneakily good in that game six, uh, and he was also really good in their game three loss. He, he like, went four, four from three. He shot five of six from three in the series. Um, it was kind of baffling. He didn't get more playing time. I think he could have a big impact. But I really think that that three-headed snake at the guard rotation is what's going to be the most key for the Celtics. Um, or, excuse me, actually, let me phrase. I think they'll be the most key. Uh, in the sense that their two-way play is huge, but I think Al Horford is going to be the reason the Celtics win the series now that I think about it again. He was really huge in those Philly games. You can tell he has a little bit of spite left in him from his Philly year. Like, he didn't really love it there. They didn't really love him. There's, <laughs> there's at least a little bit of anger left in there. And so I, I think he comes out. I think he guards Embiid really well. Him, uh, Robert Williams with the help defense, Marcus Mart help defense, Great Williams can guard him face up as well. Like, but Horford's obviously going to take on that assignment. I think he guards Embiid well. I think the whole team does. I think he nails some threes. I, I think Horford's going to go into this Philly series like, okay, the, the last time he played Philly, excuse me, as a part of the Celtics, I believe, was, oh, man, was it the year I think they went? They beat him 4-1, I think, in 2017-18. Yes. And then he left. And then he he came back, obviously, last season. They didn't play Philly. And so I think he's going to see Philly in a playoff series and be like, okay, it's time it's time to turn up again. <laughs> Al Horford, you, you don't really want to piss him off because you, you've seen the, exactly. the famous clip with Giannis where he's just like, okay, okay. And then just – I he was said that last night. Yeah. <laughs> he said it last night. There, there was a Hawks fan talking trash to him. And after the game, he goes, some people you can talk trash to, but you talk trash to me and it's probably not good for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The the oh, old wow. the old sage. He, he, if yes. you get him going, he's gonna attack. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> so I think one of the most shocking things in this playoff series so far, I think as a whole, we've had a really great just usually the first round is hit or miss for some of these series. You get a sweep here mm-hmm. or there, you get a four-one, but we've had we've had upsets, we've had close series, we've got Golden State Sacramento battling it out. LeBron and D- Dylan Brooks are beefing in the Western Conference. You have Denver who got a, a similar a small fight from the Timberwolves and then we get the Russell Westbrook crazy game one win in, uh, in Phoenix and on the east side. I think the biggest takeaway is Miami. Jimmy Butler drops yeah. 56 points and he takes them to overtime in game five and completes an unbelievable upset that's going to completely shake up the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee, who I viewed as Boston's biggest threat to reach the finals once again. Do you see this as if they can't get back to the NBA finals, given that Miami's pretty much handed them home court on a silver platter? Do you view that season potentially as a failure or as a missed opportunity? Or do you say, hey, this is just a Miami team that's caught fire at the right time or a Knicks team or even Philadelphia that gets the best of Boston? Do you see this as they're maybe looking two years down the road going, oh, man, Miami took out Milwaukee. They had home court and they couldn't get back to the finals and the East is getting better. Do you see this as Boston's biggest opportunity without the the, the uh, use of hindsight going, going at least for right now, going, man, this is their biggest chance, even given last year hmm. oh a million percent a hundred percent i mean the the way we talked about it on our podcast was the red carpet is rolled out for the celtics right now right like you took care of atlanta we were saying it before they took care of atlanta we were saying it when uh milwaukee was up like two one three one and like oh if this really happens celtics really need to take care of business you know joel and beads looking hurt too like you got to not give him a ton of rest and so <clears throat> 
the red carpet really is rolled out for them. Like, and, and Bede's not 100%. And regardless, even if he was, you played Philly really well. They're probably the toughest task you have. Eastern Conference Finals, right? Not, I'm not going to sit here and say the Heat or the Knicks would be an easy series, but it's easier than, than you thought Giannis and Milwaukee would be. Uh, there's also a danger to that where, like, you can't play down to the competition. You still have to turn up in the Conference Finals. So, but I, I talked about that regardless. Like, Celtics got to play up. Um, and then the, even the, like, even the West, like, Heading into the playoffs, the way I thought it was like, okay, like that Eastern Conference Finals between Celtics boxes, that's going to be the finals, right? Because I just don't think anybody in the West can compete with those two teams. I just thought they were far and away the best teams in the league. Like you look at every team around the league, you're, you're going to find flaws, right? Obviously, with Milwaukee, if you want to say it was the coaching, maybe we'd go with the coaching. Uh, if you want to go with the Celtics, it's the rebounding and, and the occasional lapse in effort. And if you look out West, like, as much as you can pick those things for the top two teams in the East, you can pick out a lot of flaws with a lot of these teams in the West. Like can Denver defend for a full 48 minutes with a team with a lot of weapons, right? Uh, can the sun's depth, you know, pick up the stars when they have to get some rest, right? And maybe you'll just play Kevin Durant 48 minutes, but like that depth is very questionable and the Celtics have a lot of good defenders, right? Uh, Golden state. Can they win enough on the road, right? They just beat the Kings, but can their, can their depth keep up with what they want to do? Uh, you look at the Lakers, right? Uh, can they produce enough offense on a night to night basis? Their defense has been great, but like what happens when Anthony Davis goes quiet? Like there's a lot of questions with all these top teams, the Grizzlies, right? Like they're losing to this Lakers squad. Is Ja going to be healthy the whole time? Can they produce enough? Like there's a lot of questions with any potential team that can come out of the West. And like, I really thought the Bucs Celtics was going to be effectively the finals. And so now with the Bucs out, you also have to think, okay, maybe anything can happen. But at the same time, like on paper, the Celtics should be the overwhelming favorite to win. And a lot of Bostonians, all Bostonians are going to be very <laughs> upset if they don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was up there a couple of weeks ago and you could just feel the excitement in the air. It was the Celtics Hawks and they're playing their backups, but still the energy is <laughs> unlike anything I've ever seen for game 82 in the regular season, <laughs> where if the Celtics lost by 50, it wouldn't really matter. They were, they were out there just in champagne was starting and people were cheering it was an interesting scenario there. So yeah, I, I view it the same way is this opportunity for Boston. And like, I like the analogy, the red carpet, all they got to mm -hmm. do is go take some pictures in front of the media and get to the finals. Because I, I think that there, you talk about them playing down to their competition. There was a clip that I think of Tatum or Brown. And I think the way Miami played them last year might be like, Hey, this is a team that can give you hell for 48 minutes. If you're not careful. And I think they got that treatment with New York as well. I could see it being six games for both of those, but if you get past Philadelphia, my confidence would be pretty high for seeing who they would get out of the East. But as out of the West, do you have a current pick right now for who could potentially represent oh, the Western man. Conference, or is it really just wide open? <laughs> the West is an enigma, man. I have no idea what's going to happen. My pick at the start of the playoffs was Denver. I still think I'd probably lean Denver. Um, but at the same time, like, Phoenix series looks good when they're on right i think any either of sacramento or golden state has both looked good i i picked sacramento in seven in that series and i said the home team would win every game but that obviously didn't happen golden state won a road game um the lakers have looked really good when they're on but they're a little bit inconsistent like i said it goes back to the fact that a lot of these teams in the west have these big flaws that are big question marks like if denver's defense can't keep up with the suns they're gonna lose uh mm -hmm. if the suns depth can't keep up with you know Jokic and denver's uh the rest of denver's depth they're going to lose. And so like anything can happen in the West. I'll probably stick with my pick of Denver. I think they'll probably get past the Suns in probably seven games, uh, win at home. And then 
yeah, I don't know. I'll go with Jokic to make it out. It just seems like he's due for a year, uh, and they've looked real good. And I granted it was just Minnesota, but they look good. So I'll I'll roll with Denver for now, still, even though it's it really could be any of I I think any of the six six teams six teams still left could make the finals. As crazy as that sounds. All right, Jack, we're going to put you on the spot to wrap things up. We're going to do some second round predictions. So mm. we're going to give the uh, who's going to win and why. So I think we're going to start with uh, let's assume. So both the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers are up three to two. I, I think it's mm-hmm. safe to assume they're both probably going to close it out tonight okay. and face off in the second round. So if that's the case, now this is if this this is airing, hopefully in about an hour from now when I can get this all edited. But so Lakers Warriors, if that is the second round matchup, who do you have and why? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> uh, I, oh wow that's really hard now that you put me on the spot that's crazy six seven my gut leans warriors but my brain leans lakers if that makes any sense yeah like just 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 i think the lakers are probably like you know they're better defensively lebron can can carry you in a playoff series their their role players have really stepped up for them Rui hachimura austin Reeves, d'angelo russell like they've looked really good uh and they've got the defense to back it up but I just can't bet against Steph Curry, especially as a Celtics person who watched them dismantle uh, Boston in the finals last year. So I, I would probably lean the Warriors, even though before the playoffs started, I had them losing in the first round. I'd probably pick them. I think uh, eventually their inconsistency on the road is going to catch up to them. But I think against yes. the team in the Lakers where in any moment LeBron could go down, Anthony Davis yep. could go down, and they have a quiet night offensively and you have Courier Thompson who could catch fire Jordan Poole who hasn't really been a factor against Sacramento could out of nowhere start really picking up his game I'm gonna take Golden State in six in that series I think I could see the Warriors just catching the Lakers at the right time mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know what it is but I, I know the Lakers look great but every time I watch LeBron with the exception of that and one to take that uh I think it was game four, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but he just looks tired out there. I don't yeah. know if that's the age or he looks he's older. reserving a little energy, but it looks a little, and I, I hate it because LeBron's fantastic. And I, exactly. I would love to see Celtics Lakers in the finals just for, and I know Adam Silver's <laughs> probably licking his chops going, if we could get that. Oh man. But it just looks, the Lakers look like they might run out of gas. And I think Golden State, the way they move around the court, it could be trouble. And so I, I would mm-hmm. take Golden State in six. So the next series, we're going to do the next series in the West is Phoenix and the Denver Nuggets. I know you just said you had Denver, but you said seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it it's going to be close. It's going to be real close. The Suns looked good enough to close out the Clippers, but, like, that Clippers team was fighting, even without Kawhi and Russ. Like, they were, they were giving them some trouble. And so I think when you put them in a series against Jamal Murray's look solid, Michael Porter Jr. is doing some things, right? Like, you got Aaron Gordon for the defense. I assume they'll put Gordon on Kevin Durant, uh, and I assume they'll put KCP on Booker. Like, they they look good. They look good. If they can target uh, Chris Paul on, on offense and they can go to Jokic out of the post, like, DeAndre Ayton's going to have to play real good, and he can, and he has before. But I, I just think that Nuggets offense uh, and with the defense they played against Minnesota, again, I don't know how sustainable it is, especially against three elite offensive players, but I would probably lean Denver in seven still. They've just shown you more throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and I think for Phoenix, it, it's like that you said about the depth and that Durant yeah. and Booker and Paul can play out of their minds, but it, it, there's going to be a night where they're going to struggle and it's going to be a crucial game four, game five. It's just the course of the playoffs. Not every night's going to be perfect. And I think Denver just has more guys and this could be their year. This could be like the Celtics. This is their opportunity with yeah. a wide open West to get to the finals 
and be able to get over that hump that they had been able to do so in the last couple of years. So we got the Warriors and the Nuggets. That would be a fun conference finals. We'll save that one for yeah. later. Um, another another time. Uh, but <laughs> in the East, Miami and New York, I think the most unlikely series anybody oh, could have predicted. Jimmy Butler's playing out of his mind in New York. They have tapped into some offensive firepower that I thought there was a ceiling with this Knicks team that clearly isn't there that was displayed against Cleveland. I'm going to take Miami in six. I think I'm going to ride the hot hand of Jimmy Butler. Mm. I think that him in the in Madison Square Garden, we could see some all-time legendary performances from him. He's he's a heck of a player to watch when he's not playing your team. I think he's frustrating (laughs) (laughs) when he's playing your favorite team. But when you're watching just from a neutral perspective, he's unbelievable. And it's crazy. This happens every year. He struggles in the regular season. Everyone's going, I don't know if this guy's top 10. You get in the playoffs and it's, it's unbelievable. He is. Mm -hmm. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, especially in this two game stretch. And so I'll take the heat in six to win that series. Mm. Yeah, Jimmy, that game six performance was like the best thing I've ever witnessed, like the best individual performance I've ever seen, at least with my own two eyes. Um, he, he's been amazing. I think it's perfect. You know, you love to watch him, not against your team. Uh, I think I'd still probably go Knicks in this one. As weird okay. as it is, like you just saw Mitchell Robinson be the best big in a series against Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And as good as as well as Bam Adebayo played defensively against Giannis, didn't really have that good of a series like offensively he was really timid he didn't really couldn't really do much taking a lot of these mid-range jumpers that weren't falling like wouldn't surprise me if Mitchell Robinson's the best big in the series again maybe that's a hot take but like you just saw him do it and bam coming off that series I don't know and then defensively the heat have always been solid but like who's gonna guard Jalen Brunson right Mm -hmm. like who who's gonna stop RJ Barrett if he gets hot right Julius Randle's injured but if he comes back like you put Bam on him and then Mitchell Robinson's left to feast, you know, on the boards. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think as I could see Miami winning, like, like obviously Jimmy Butler gets hot uh, and Jimmy Butler in the garden is going to be so fun. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just think the Knicks have the better overall team composition this year, right? Like this heat team lost to the Hawks in the play in, right? Like <laughs> as, as, as hot as they've gotten, yeah, they ran, they ran into, a Bucks team without Giannis for two games. Jimmy Butler played the best playoff basketball I've ever seen. Uh, and they made two incredible comebacks against a, uh, let's just say a coach who might not have a job in a week or so. Uh, and Tom Thibodeau is not that Tom Thibodeau coached an amazing series. The Knicks have, you know, great center in Mitchell Robinson, which is weird to say, but like he played great. Uh, they have an all-star level guard. They have Julius. Like, I-, I just think they're a better overall team. Uh, and they're also hot and they're also running and they're revved up and they're ready to go. So I, I'll probably go with the Knicks in six or seven. I'll probably lean seven because Jimmy Butler's that guy. Yeah. I may be a prisoner of the moment here with Jimmy Butler, but no, I think, it's fair. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, we have a, we have a opposing viewpoint. It'll be interesting mm. for, to see what people predict. And then obviously we have the Celtic Sixers, the, the rivalry. Uh, you got the famous quote from Joel Embiid. It's not a rivalry because they always kick our ass favorite quote of all time i use that in just like any group chat that i'm in but <laughs> for me I, i'm gonna take boston six i i think there's going to be a game down this road down the series i could see it being game one i could see it being game two where yeah. they look just dejected out of gas and just dis- i think disengage is probably the word for the Celtics mm-hmm. sometimes yes and then they're gonna wake up and everyone's gonna go oh okay because there's going to be a, a two-day stretch where they travel where you're gonna be like, ah this boston team i don't know philadelphia they might finally have it and something's going to flip. I think maybe it's a Missoula 
trying to get Robert Williams more time against Joel Embiid. Maybe it's Grant Williams. Somebody's going to step up. And I think Boston's just going to be too much for Philadelphia. And I still, I, I know Harden stepped up his play. I just don't trust him in the playoffs, especially against a better team. It's going to be, I think, them a shell shock going from a, a shell of a Brooklyn's team, Brooklyn Nets team, to a Celtics team that can compete for a championship. This could be... Like you said, this could be the new finals for the East. I think that if whoever wins yeah. the series is probably going to be representing the East in the NBA finals. Yeah, I think I'd go Celtics in six as well. I think what you said about them being like looking dejected for a game is true. It's what happened in game five and most of game six against Atlanta. And then the final five minutes of game six are like, oh, there's a Celtics team that's probably the favorites to make the finals and win it. So I think they'll probably take them down. They've played Philly really well. Like you said, not really a rivalry when the Sixers have won like two games in the past five years. Like, they've absolutely dominated them. They swept them the last time they saw them in the playoffs. They 4-1'd them the time before that, both with Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons was hurting one of them, but at this point we've learned that that might not be as important. Uh, so it, it's just everything the Celtics have showed shows that they should beat this Sixers team. I think they're like minus 330 favorites right now. Like they're pretty heavily Dang. favored in this series. Yeah, and so it, everything you see – it should lead you to, okay, the Celtics are probably going to win this. And I just, like you said, I don't trust Joel Embiid in the playoffs. And, or excuse me, James Harden and Joel Embiid. Before that 52-point performance, everything, every time he's played the Celtics, he's played great for three quarters and then gotten tired in the fourth. And I'm not going to say that that's impossible this time around, especially with them hurt. So I, I think Celtics and six is is what I'll roll with. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, these are our predictions for the second round. We're going to probably hold off the conference finals for another time just because <laughs> there's so many moving parts. That I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but that'll do it for today's episode of the Man with the Plan podcast. Some first round draft thoughts of the NFL draft and Jack Simone bringing us some excellent insight on the Boston Celtics and the NBA landscape as a whole. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'll link his Twitter down in the description so you guys can go follow him, show him some love. Great writers and great stories. And overall, guys, thank you so much for listening. Let's get to 19,000 listeners across all platforms. The summer's going to be awesome, guys. I got one more week. Let's get it. Guys, have a great day. Take care. Mm-hmm.